right. Hey, good morning. Good to see everyone. Um, if, you're, uh, if you're a guest with us today, we want to say welcome. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Uh, this is kind of a unique Sunday. It's a, uh, a one-service Sunday at 10 o'clock. Normally, we have two services, one at 9, one at 1030, identical child care programming, everything. Um, we had a military uh, focus today, honoring those who have served our country, and we had an awesome pancake breakfast for our families with kids. We had Santa over there. Listen, Christmas is about Jesus, but we can redeem holidays. Amen? Okay. So uh, that was a little bit of fun, right? It's all about Jesus and the gospel. It's about Bethlehem, not Santa, but we can have fun. So, um, uh, but it was a great, great morning, great day, and uh, I want to encourage you to pull out your message notes. We're going to dive in to this passage this morning in Exodus, in Exodus 34. Exodus 34. Uh, we're going to look at verses 1 to 9. <clears throat> so pull out your Bibles, turn there, and um, let me read from God's Word this morning. Exodus 34, verses 1 to 9. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze upon that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and, and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. This is really going to be the, 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 the center point of the message. The Lord proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving the iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. We know that there's been several things that have happened on Mount Sinai. We know that God gave the Mosaic law to Moses. Three types of law, moral, civil, ceremonial. Tucked within the Mosaic law, he gave the Ten Commandments. Based on last week's message, we saw uh, the, the debauchery, the idolatry of, of the people uh, under a, uh, a spineless, weak, um, so-called spiritual leader. Aaron was supposed to be spiritually leading the people, and uh, he did not. Two weeks ago, we looked at this passage about Aaron and the people and the golden calf, and, and we know that there was a lot of doubts. God, Moses was delaying, and 
And so there was a lot of idolatry and immorality. Exodus 32 tells us that uh, the people broke loose. Uh, Essentially, Aaron let the people break loose. Moses comes down. He's angry. He breaks the stones. These stones that God uh, wrote the, the law with his very finger. The very finger of God wrote the law. And Moses takes this this golden calf, and we know the story. He grinds it into powder, and he spreads it on the water, and he makes the people drink the idolatrous powder. Like, if you're going to bow down and worship this golden calf, you're going to drink it. You think this is better than God? Drink it. I mean, surely at that moment, some of the people had to have had massive regrets. What did I do? Sin always has consequences. Sin always finds you out. Sin is fun for a season, then it catches up with you. There was a lot of regret and remorse because of the immorality and the idolatry. And and Moses, we know that Moses pleads with God on the mountain. We know that, that Moses told God last week, you know, I ain't going anywhere. We're not moving. We're not traveling. We're not we're not pressing forward. God, unless you are with us. And we looked at God's presence being um a distinguishing mark upon his people. If you want to be different, if you want to be unique, walk with God. Have God's presence upon your life. Don't fade into the crowd. Drift, lean into God's goodness. Lean into his holiness. Let God shape you and mold you to be the man, the woman that God wants you to be. We know that last week God was, Moses was pleading with God. He was saying, oh God, we're not moving forward, we're not pressing forward, and I want to show me your ways. His heart cry, his heartbeat was, God, show me your glory. And God told Moses that my glory, my presence is going to be manifested. I'm going to pass before you. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, but I'm going to pass before you, but you cannot see my face. So this takes us to Exodus 34, which is what I just read. Let's look at verse 4 of Exodus 34. Verse 4 says, So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. So, two new stones, and it's a new day. Now let's skip down to verse 9. We're going to come back to the the verses in the middle, but I I want us to fast forward to verse 9. Look at what Moses says to God after it says in verse 8 that Moses bows his head toward the earth and And he worships God. I mean, that should be our response. When God reveals himself to us, we have a a posture, a position of humility. And and, and we, we bow before God. We worship God. And we exalt him. We exalt his name. He has the rightful position in our lives. Look at verse 9. And and Moses said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. For it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. You know, we're very much like the people of Israel. We look at our own lives 
our, the, 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 the landscape of our lives, the landscape of our past is marked, it's dotted with, with failures and shortcomings and, and, and just floundering, walking away from God, drifting from God. The amazing thing about what Moses tells us in verse 9, before Moses asked God to forgive the people, God already shows up and gives the answer that he will forgive them. Look at Exodus 3, 5, and 7. Exodus 3, 5, and 7. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with them there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, notice that, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. We all fall in many ways. And when we do, we need to be anticipating the chainless, the chainless nature of God and this reception. You know, when it comes to our, our failure, God never wears out. God always shows up. He never gives up. He doesn't, he doesn't change when it comes to, you know, our sin. There's so many things that God is towards us. Number one, write this down. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Is God going to forgive you when you sin? Has God forgiven you of all your past sins? You can reply. Is God going to forgive your sins in the future? Yes. Now, based on Romans 6, the Apostle Paul said, we shouldn't use the grace of God as a license to sin. We shouldn't, we shouldn't use God's grace as a, as a pass, you know, a hall pass, you know, to get out of class, to get out of sin. No, listen, it's very clear. God is going to forgive us. But when we experience the forgiveness of God, it changes us. And it gives us a greater desire to, to, to live for Christ. You know, before Moses even asked God to forgive the iniquity and to pardon his people, God shows up, God's on the scene, God is clear, God gives the answer before Moses asked the question. Look at verse 7. Keeping steadfast love for thousands. This is what the God of the Bible, the creator of the universe is telling your heart this morning. Take it in. Feel it, experience it, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is the God who created the world by his spoken word. This is the God who sustains everything by the word of his power. God tells us in his word he has a monopoly on forgiveness. He's the source of forgiveness. He's the only one that can forgive you of your sins. I love that truth. The forgiveness of God. Somebody say, that's our God. That's our God. Amen? I mean, that's our God. You know, you, 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 Moses is saying, you know, he's going to forgive iniquity and transgression and sin. Those are three different forms, different, different angles on sin. Sin twists you up. Sin misses the bullseye. And the bullseye is God's moral perfection. You miss it, I miss it. We miss it every single day. This is why we have fallen short. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We, we're, we're trying to live that good life. And you know what? That arrow, it doesn't hit the bullseye. It just goes way off, way off into a different direction. 
That's what it means to sin against God. It means, that was what it means to rebel against God. God is not like us. His nature is to forgive. That is beautiful. His nature is to forgive us. That's not like our nature. Our nature, we're not going to forgive. I'm not going to forgive you. You hurt me. You wounded me. You now have to earn it. You have to earn your way into my grace. You have to work for my love. You got to make things right with me. It might take a lot of time. And we hold things over people's heads. Does God do that? No. He doesn't hold things over our heads. God's different than us. His nature, one of his amazing attributes is that he is willing, and not only willing, but he is able. He's able to forgive sin. It doesn't matter what you've done. Listen, if we had to go around the room and share all the past sin and darkness and shame connected to what we have personally done, man, let me tell you, it'd be a very depressing service. It'd be a very dark service. We all have skeletons in our spiritual closets. But the God of all grace, the God of of the Bible is willing to step into that closet and remove the skeletons and forgive you. If you let him come into your life, if you let him come into your heart, if you let him come into your life, your home, he's going to renovate. He's going to not just remodel, he's going to demo and then he's going to do construction. And by the way, we're moving into that space in four weeks. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Anybody excited? I'm so excited. I brought my family down here. Uh, Yesterday they were putting the hoop hoops up i started hooping it up man i started playing basketball they were working on the second hoop they, these guys must have been thought who are who are these people you know you know i made a little video I, I made a little video for jared if you know anything about jared jared's a baller this dude can play ball he's a white kid who can play ball i mean it's pretty rare you know but the dude can play but all i got to say is the first time i played him me and roger whitmore anybody remember pastor roger whitmore don't you love him Roger, come back. Come back if you're watching online. I'll tell him to watch the service. All right. Me and Roger, we went to go see Jared. And um, this was before Jared started, a few weeks prior. And, uh, I mean, let's, let's play basketball. And, and I guess there was kind of like a basketball area where, you know, close by. And so we started playing horse. And I just completely destroyed him. I mean, just destroyed him. First game of horse. Where's Jared at? Is he in the service? Yeah, yeah, he knew I was going to tell this story. That's why he's not in here. He's probably helping with the kids right now. But completely destroyed him. Okay, what was I talking about? How did I get on basketball? Somebody help me. Four weeks. Four weeks. Whoa, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. It's a true story. It's a true story. I didn't completely destroy him, but he did beat me. I did beat him. But I don't think I could ever beat him ever again. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So that was not planned. Four weeks, we're going to be moving in. What was my segue there? So, what? Yes. Yes. Let Jesus come into your heart. Come on. No, truthfully, here's what we want to do. We want, we want Jesus in the entryway. We don't want him walking down the hallway. We don't, walk him, we don't want him walking into the rooms. We don't want, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give you a little bit of my life, but I'm not going to give it all to you. We want a Savior, but 
sometimes we don't want to lord. Jesus said, I'm your savior, and I'm also your lord. I'm your master. I'm the master. I'm the sovereign one. I call the shots, right? And so his nature is to forgive. You know, we have a tendency to to sanitize the lineage of our Savior. You know, we see him as, as, a, as a white, you know, we, we see him with a white flowing robe, never hanging out with sinners, kind of always aloof and off self and on a mountain praying, but never getting dirty or spending time with the sinners. We know that's the opposite of what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that he got his hands dirty, that, that he, he loved the unlovable. He reached out to the outcasts. His grace penetrated the the hearts of people who were so far away from him. Max Lucado says this, For heaven's sake, don't do that. Don't sanitize Jesus. Let him be as human as he intended him to be. Let Christ into the mire and muck of our world. For only if we let him in can he pull us out. That's where our hope is. Only God can step into the mire and and the muck of our world the mire and muck of our lives, and he can forgive us. He can expel the darkness, and he can bring light. Jesus came the first time to seek and to save the lost. Mission. Mission. The incarnation was God's mission. It was a mission into a war zone. There was political unrest. There was no spiritual light. There was complete darkness and jesus came he came to bring light he came to bring truth he came to bring good news he came to bring the kingdom he came to forgive god's nature is 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 he didn't come just to he didn't come to condemn if christ came to condemn there would be no incarnation there would be no bethlehem there would be no christians christmas No baby, no perfect life, no atoning death, no victorious resurrection, and no salvation. God's heart is about forgiveness. Before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1 tells us that he chose us in him. And you see this phrase, in love, in love, in love. It was, it was the love of God. It was the forgiveness of God. Before the foundation of the world, God himself, God's heart was your forgiveness. From Bethlehem to the empty tomb, God's heart was your forgiveness through faith in Christ. So number one, I am forgiven. If you ever wonder, could God forgive me? The problem when you say that is you're really saying, I can't forgive myself. And you know what? That is true. You can't forgive yourself. You ultimately can't forgive yourself because the forgiveness has to, between, has to be between you and God. But when you encounter God, when you let Christ into your life, he'll forgive you. He'll forgive all your sins. And then number two, he'll clean you up. I am clean. Not just I am forgiven, but I am clean. I am clean. In verse, in verse 6, I want you to notice how it says that the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. And then notice, an abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's the God that we serve. 
God does not run out or run dry on his abounding, steadfast love and faithfulness. God is always ready and willing and waiting with forgiveness and cleansing. God can clean you. God doesn't promise to forgive, then then hold a grudge. God doesn't dole out forgiveness. He doesn't dole out his steadfast love and then get bitter and then change the relationship. No, that's not his character. I want us to look at three verses. Three verses that are amazing verses that we could memorize, that maybe you should memorize. I should have these memorized verbatim. Micah 7, 19. It says, He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Isaiah 43, 25. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. When you're experiencing a a dark night, a difficult day, when you're experiencing maybe a, a deep struggle in your life, and you slip up, what do you do? What do you do? You do what King David did. When, 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 when King David saw that beautiful woman bathing, Bathsheba, and he, he, he concocted a plan, he had a servant bring her, and, and he committed adultery. It was outrageous what he did. He was supposed to be with the men on the battlefield. He was lounging at the palace. Some people believe that maybe David raped her. He committed adultery. She winds up pregnant. He tries to cover his tracks with her husband Uriah, one of his mighty men. It was darkness, sin. What did David do? When he got confronted by by Nathan the prophet, one of his closest friends, Nathan tells a story, a riddle. David got angry. Nathan said, you are the man. That's you, David. You're the man. Nathan was willing to point the finger Nathan was willing to point the finger to the king and say, you need to get your life right. What did David do? He ran to God. He didn't run away from God. He ran to God. Darkest nights, difficult days, deepest struggles, what do you do? You run to God. When you fail, you run to God. You confess your sins. You get right with God. Micah 7, 9 talks about you know, that, that God is going to, to take our sins and he's going to cast them into the depths of the ocean. Now, for some of you that are maybe very detailed, um, anal OCD type people, you might be like, well, how deep is that? Where's the deepest part in the ocean? Well, I actually uh, heard someone say that it's the, uh, there's this um, Mariana Trench off the coast of China, which is seven miles deep seven miles but that's not the point because this is poetry this is poetry beautiful poetry it's it's not about how deep it's about the the meaning behind it god is telling us that that our sins are not accessible they're out of reach they're they're not regularly brought up before the lord our sins are cast into the depths of the ocean The Bible tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. 
And the same is true with God. God keeps no record of wrongs when it comes to us. He actually took the record. And he nailed the record of our sins upon himself. And then he took all of our sins and he cast them into the depths of the ocean. The second verse, Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, that's not even a place. There's no point in the galaxy where the east and the west meet up. That's exactly the point. This is a poetic description. There is no place, there is no place in the galaxy where there's 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 that ending point, there's that connecting point. This means that that your sins have been cast, they're unknowable. They're unfindable. They're, they're done. They're gone. They're behind God. There was a preschool teacher, preschool Sunday school, Sunday school teacher that taught, taught a classroom of, of four-year-olds. And she asked this question, can anyone tell me how much God loves us? And there was a little boy in the classroom, and, and, and he quickly said, to infinity and beyond. I love that. You know, that's good theology, isn't it? That's just straight Bible, man. God loves you to infinity and beyond. There's no point in the universe where east and west meet up. Your sins cast, gone, forever gone, unknowable, unfindable, that's where your sins are in Christ. I want you to, to ponder that for a moment. You know, one of the shows that I really, really enjoy watching, I've kind of taken a break off of it, is Deadliest Catch. Anybody watch Deadliest Catch? I, okay, nobody. All right, I'm going solo. This is great. Um, all right, I, we, got, we got one people, one person. Okay, that's good. Um, I used to watch it a lot, and uh, I don't know. I just have this thing for like, like I want to like, I want to live in the outdoors, you know. I want to go into the ocean. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is about me. But um, it's the same, um, pretty much the same plot every show. They're like catching king crab. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes people get hurt or they don't catch anything. It's, it's a great show. But when I, it's a great show. Trust me. It's a fishing show, okay. And sometimes there's drama on the boat. And I don't know. It's really good. Um, but it just reminds me of, of how wild and crazy the ocean is and how wild and crazy God is about you that he, he's willing to take your sins and, he, and he's willing to plunge into the ocean. He's willing to cast it into the galaxies. I mean, who can do this? Who does this? A loving, forgiving God does this. This is who does this. Anybody have any regrets? Anybody have any regrets in life? Anybody have any past sins, failures, hang-ups? mistakes no nobody right no nobody nobody we all have things in the past that we've done or or things that we've done to people or we have allowed to be done to other people we all have past sins past darkness we've all made a mess of our lives but the good news the good news is in the old testament and in the new testament the good news is that you can be forgiven you can be forgiven in Christ. Well, what must you do to receive this forgiveness? Jesus was very clear. It's not about religion. 
It's not about jumping through religious hoops or, you know, living this moral life because really the question that should haunt you, if, if you are, if you're all about morality and self-righteousness and I can do enough good to earn my way to heaven, here's the question you have to wrestle with and here's the question that's going to keep you up at night. How good is good enough? How good is good enough? You'll never reach that finish line. I've done enough. Religion puts you on a treadmill and tells you to run fast and you can't get off. But grace takes you off the treadmill. Jesus said, right, take my yoke. It's light, it's easy. I'll take the burdens from you. I'll give you this abundant life. Christ promises that he will step in and give us this transformed life. You know, good people don't go to heaven. You know who goes to heaven? Forgiven people. Forgiven people go to heaven. And there's nothing that you can do to earn it. You just have to receive it. That's, that's the beauty of salvation. It is, not, it is not achieved, it is received. Here's the third point. Well, Isaiah 43, 25. I am, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. I will remember your sins no more. Now, does God forget? Does God have short-term memory? No. So what's this saying? This is saying that God chooses to remember your sins no more. It, it, it's better than God forgiving. He doesn't call it to mind. He doesn't call your sin to mind. He, 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 doesn't, um, he doesn't call those thoughts to himself. God is in complete control of what he's thinking about. And he's not thinking about your sin because your sin was paid for at the cross 2,000 years ago. So when you come to Christ, he forgives you. And you are positionally right with God, and that position never changes. You have received the righteousness of Jesus, the forgiveness of God. You've been adopted into his family. Status doesn't change. It talks about, in verse 6, abounding in steadfast love and, and faithfulness. God chooses to wash away our sins Knowing what he knows about us and our past and all of our regrets, he chooses to wash it away. We're all in the same boat. We all have a, a past, and failures and mistakes. But we can find the same grace. We can find the same forgiveness. We can experience the, the same God, the God of the Bible, who chooses to forgive and, and to give us new life. And this never changes. This never changes. I want you to think about this. When you come to Christ, this relationship never changes. God doesn't invite you in, and, and then he, he doesn't tell you. He invites you in, but he doesn't tell you to leave. It's, it's, a, it's a relationship. It's a new beginning. You're forever a part of God's family. This should stir within you greater affections, a greater love for him, a greater desire to serve him, knowing all that he's done for you. I mean, think about your life. Think about everything that you've done and, and Christ paid for all of that. God's heart is about forgiveness. Here's point number three. I am restored. So I am forgiven, I am clean, 
I am restored. I'm not just forgiven. I am restored by God. You know, it's, it's not like God's like, okay, fine, you know, I'll, I'll let it go. But I don't want you to see, I don't want to see you again. That's not how God works. Verse 7 talks about keeping steadfast love for thousands. God keeps you. It's this permanent thing that he does. He keeps you in this relationship with him. Some people say, well, you could lose your salvation. Listen, if you've been genuinely born again, you cannot lose your salvation. How can you lose your salvation if you're in the hand of Christ and Christ is in the hand of the Father? That's a double vice grip. What's going to pluck you out of God's hand? I mean, read Romans 8. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. No judgment. Nothing. Now, Satan, he's very tactical. He's very strategic. He's going he's to throw darts at you. He's going to bring up a lot of past sins and guilt, and he's going to use shame. He's going to use a lot of his fiery darts are going to be coming at you. But you need to remember, you know what? I'm in Christ. There is no condemnation because I belong to Jesus. It talks about God keeping this, this steadfast love. I love the word um, this, the, the Hebrew word is hesed. Hesed. I love that word. First time I heard that word was in my Hebrew class in seminary. And the Old Testament professor, he was so passionate about the Old Testament. I mean, he just, he came in, he didn't lecture, he just preached the Old Testament. And the Old Testament, his passion and everything just oozed out of him. And I would remember I'd come into class and I'd, man, I mean, Bible notes, pen in hand, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Dr. Block, let's go. And he was Canadian, so he had this Canadian accent, and he's reading the Old Testament, and he just made it come alive. And I just remember one word that he always talked about was God's hesed. He said, the hesed of God, the hesed of God. You see God's hesed all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. He said, but specifically in the Old Testament. See, we, we want to think, oh, God, in the Old Testament, he's wrathful, he's, he's angry, he's just a God of justice. There's, there's, there's no hesed. No, there's hesed on every page. I mean, just look at, look at God's inner workings and his sovereignty and his providence with the patriarchal family and then with, with, him, with Moses and then with judges and then with the kings and then with the prophets. It was all building God's chesed was building to eventually bring us a savior God could have abandoned his people but he didn't he brought us the greatest gift which is Jesus the word chesed in the Hebrew it's 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 hard to translate uh, they, it's steadfast love it's loving kindness it is it is the best equivalent to the word grace in the New Testament h-e-s-e-d chesed Go out and get a tattoo, Hesed, right there on your shoulder this week, Hesed. People are like, what, is, what does that mean? Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you about God's steadfast love and his grace on my life and on your life. Verse 6, it, 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 says, um, it says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. That's the trifecta. I mean, what more do we need? Merciful. God giving us what? Actually, God not giving us what we do deserve. That's mercy. God withholding what we actually deserve. That's the mercy of God. God is gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. 
Everything in your life is a gift. Sheer gift. God's free gift. God's free gift in your life. Christianity is a gift. It's a gift religion. Let's say you have an employee who who gets paid once a month. Now, if when they receive that paycheck, you tell them that it's a gift. If you tell them that it's a gift, they would be insulted. Why? Because you're saying, what you're saying is, you don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. The cross is all about God's sheer grace. The cross is about God's total generosity, something we could never earn, nor do we deserve it. He's merciful. He withholds what we deserve. He's gracious. He gives. He doles out. He's gracious towards us. He gives us what we don't deserve. And then the last one, he's slow to anger. He's maintaining peace. He, He doesn't distance himself from us. God is a forgiving God. He's a loving God. He's a a merciful God. He's a gracious God. And how do we experience all of this? How do we get this? Well, we receive it by faith. It's all received as a gift of faith. God changes us when we place our faith in Christ. Only Christ can save you from your sin. Only Christ can save you from yourself. Only Christ can save you from future condemnation and and judgment. Only Christ can do that. Here's the last point. I am resolved. I am resolved. The last point is really not connected to Exodus 34, but this is so foundational. What do we do with this? What do we do with all this truth that that we've heard about God's attributes? Well, we're going to live like Jesus. When we fall, when we fail... When we sin, what are we going to do? We're going to get back up. We're going to start walking with Jesus again. When I fall, I'm going to rise up in his forgiveness. And I'm going to keep walking in the forgiveness of Christ. Listen, when you experience the forgiveness of God, it changes you. Forgiven people forgive. If you have been forgiven much, Surely you should extend that forgiveness. Vertically, we've experienced this vertical forgiveness with God. We should bend that vertical forgiveness out horizontally towards other people. The next time someone hurts you, wounds you, digs you, deals you dirt, what do you do? Do you get even? Do you seek revenge? Do you right the wrongs? I mean, wrong the right? Yeah, I said that wrong. Not right the wrongs. Well, kind of. Do you seek revenge? What do you do? Do you get even? Do you make matters worse? Or do you choose to be Christ-like? When you experience the forgiveness of God, you're going to be forgiving. You're going to be forgiving towards those who have hurt you. If you're not extending this forgiveness, have you really experienced it in your life? You know, resolved this idea to make sure that your life and my life really reflects that this truly has happened to us. That we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. That we have embraced the gospel. That we have let Christ come into our lives and he has changed us from the inside out. We are no longer the same. And we're going to take this gospel and we're going to live it out. We've experienced it vertically, but we're going to bend it out and we're going to live it out horizontally with other people.
Let's pray.